This is James Walker, and welcome to Real Talk, Real People. This is the podcast that turns the mic over to everyday people to hear what they have to say about the issues and problems we face as a society. Hello, folks. Thank you very much for joining us again this week. Healthy food. We have talked about this before. And folks, you just wouldn't think it would be a problem putting healthy food on the table. But it is. It's a big problem, particularly in low-income areas. My guest today is Brent Peterkin, and he is the executive director of Gather New Haven. And as many of you will remember, we had Eliza Cardwell from Gather New Haven on the podcast last year, a very popular podcast, I might add, where she shared tips about growing food, growing foods in your own garden and in community gardens. And she's going to be coming back and she's going to be sharing more seasonal tips now that we're about planting vegetables. But Brent is here to talk about the overall mission of Gather New Haven. And folks, it is about a lot more than growing food. Let's hear what he has to say. My name is Brent Peterkin, and I'm currently the executive director of an organization called Gather New Haven, uh, which focuses on a couple of things, um, environmental education, uh, public health, urban agriculture, uh, conservation, and community development. And we do that work. Um, We're inspired by food justice and environmental justice initiatives. And our work is conducted through uh, a portfolio of, of, of efforts that include property management and programs. And we manage 56 community gardens throughout uh, New Haven. Um, and we also manage six nature preserves, also in New Haven, and seven urban farm properties as well. And as part of that effort or at these properties, we uh, we implement a program that focuses on uh, sailing education and, envi- and coastal environmental education. So we teach kids how to sail. We teach them about the coastal marine environment as well over at the Long Wharf Nature Preserve. Um, we also um, conduct a farm-based wellness program, which seeks to address chronic diet-related illnesses, um, which predominantly impact black and brown communities in New Haven. And we do that by inculcating um, information that essentially seeks to spur lifestyle changes. And um, we also operate a farm stand as well at this at our farm sites as well. And then we also have a program that focuses on youth development and entrepreneurship called Growing Entrepreneurs, which targets high school age youth. Um, and we teach them how to start a business venture if they so choose, but we do employ them uh, year round. And we also help them develop uh, skill sets um, in the fields of carpentry, uh, composting, and urban agriculture as well. And with the community garden properties, we offer material resources, everything from seeds to soil, um, to technical assistance and helping people get started or to better maintain their garden beds um, in the, across the 56 community gardens. And so, um, these properties and these initiatives are citywide. And so our recruitment efforts are citywide. 
um, for our programs and the properties are dispersed in pretty much almost every neighborhood in the city of New Haven. And um, what attracted me to this work um, is essentially rooted in the way in the environment that I grew up in. So I'm originally from New York City. I moved to Connecticut 10 years ago. I grew up in the Bronx. Um, Before the, the Bronx? Before oh, part I, of the Bronx? Oh yeah, sure. I, I grew up in an area called Parkchester. And so um, that is sort of right in the middle of, uh, or in between uh, Castle Hills, the Castle Hill section. This is all the East Bronx uh, and Soundview are probably like the two closest areas um, of reference. And so I, I grew up there and um, grew up around a lot of people from the Latinx Hispanic community and also a lot of people from different African peoples, I should say. So, you know, there's diversity within that. So I don't want to present a monolith, uh, but Caribbean peoples, people who have roots that, you know, trace back to the deep South here in, in the United States, but also people who have roots that connect back to Eastern and, Afri and Western African countries as well. So that was my peer group. Um, and those are the, the groups of people and their ethnicities that influence my upbringing and the things that I have an affinity for and, and the people that I care most about. Um, and so when I had the opportunity to get involved in social impact work in either the public or um, nonprofit sector, um, I decided that it was important to me to have a, a purpose-driven approach to my career development and aspirations. And essentially what that entails is um, being in, in agency or, or, or in service to the uh, developing solutions to address challenges that impact black and brown communities or being an agent that can help to facilitate advancement towards the fulfillment of the aspirations for black and brown communities. Um, so sometimes it's not just addressing a problem, you know, sometimes it's about helping people to advance an idea and so I've been privileged in that I've been able to land um, roles in different organizations that have allowed me to do that. Now, you mentioned food justice. What is food justice? Because I think that's an expression that is now commonly used. What exactly is food justice? Sure. So there, there are different denotations and connotations behind that term. But essentially what it does is it intersects the um, one's ability to access healthy foods consistently um, and racial justice and economic related issues. And so uh, it speaks towards the intentionality or the unintended consequences associated with public policy and urban design or land use. So if we look at certain neighborhoods in New Haven, um, for example, New Hallville, um, you'd be hard pressed to find a fresh food grocer in that in that neighborhood or that part of New Haven. And yeah. we'll find- Why is that? Um, just because of the way that the, the, the neighborhoods were designed. So my understanding is that, and specifically with New Hallville, that that neighborhood was largely developed um, to allow for close proximity for workers at some of the um, munitions manufacturers like Winchester and others um, that were not far from that area so that they can essentially commute very quickly to work. And that's a very common thing. So for example, in New York City, um, Queens Bridge housing projects um, was largely um, constructed to provide, you know, um, proximate residency to the industrial parts of Manhattan and Queens, which it allowed for German and Dutch and Italian um, 
workers at the time and also African-Americans who migrated from the South or the Caribbean to United States, specifically to New York City, to be able to get to work very quickly and get home uh, relatively quickly. Um, and so when you have the deindustrialization of these cities that in these neighborhoods that were zoned, um, that were not zoned for commercial enterprises, you, you don't have, you just don't have grocery stores and things like that, that are, that are um, in, placed in the neighborhood. And is that, are these areas considered food deserts? Is that what is commonly referred to as a food desert? It is, but um, the parlance is changing as well um, as the paradigm is shifting in, in relation to how we view these dynamics. So the word desert denotes a naturally occurring um, phenomena, a, a, you know, and so um, a, a desert is a result of changes in nature in the natural world. Whereas when we use the term food desert, it kind of makes it appear as if these things happened organically or or they weren't the outcome or the result of um, intended or unintended consequences. And so what's used now, the, the common parlance or colloquial language that's used now is food apartheid. And so um, when you think about um, some of the concerns that are surfacing or have surfaced, I should say, when it comes to gentrification, um, what comes along with um, community development and the redesigning of neighborhoods is commercial enterprises and the changing of zoning ordinances um, in certain neighborhoods. So a lot of times those are, you know, um, the key indicators. So for example, um, just not to harp on New York, but like you'll know that the neighborhood is changing when you start to see a Starbucks or <laughs> you start to see like a Whole Foods or a Trader Joe's. Sure. You start to see some of the amenities um, that people in higher income communities have grown accustomed to and are quite normal, but um, you don't find those same amenities or commercial enterprises in lower income communities. And a part of it is because some of these businesses feel like um, there's no viable market there, but, but there is. You're listening to Real Talk, Real People, the podcast that turns the mic over to everyday people. that's not true because we shop at Trader Joe's and all the rest of those places. So it's not as if the the demand isn't there. The, what's not there is the supply, right. so to speak. You know, so so what is Gather New Haven doing about that or what do you hope to to do about that? Sure. Um I mean and there are people that have done stuff like that, about stuff like that, like Magic Johnson, right? And through his enterprises and introducing businesses to low-income neighborhoods, predominantly black and brown neighborhoods, which has, helps to offset some of that stuff that I just talked about. But specifically with Gather New Haven, um, we there are a couple of things. One is did the management and resourcing of the community gardens throughout New Haven um, allows people, residents, who are actively engaged in these community gardens to essentially grow their own food in perpetuity. Um, so we're in the business in this regards in property management and making sure that the gardens are well resourced to the best of our ability. Um, we don't collect revenue, so it's all provided for free to the residents. Um, so we fundraise to be able to do this work. You know, that's donations and grants and things of that nature. And so 
but the, the gardens themselves are community led. It's, it's contingent upon the residents deciding about what they want to see um, flourishing within the gardens. And so each year they submit requests about what seeds um, they, they will require, or what seedlings they will require for their gardens, what resources, whether it's soil or compost or some kind of fertilizer, um, or even if it's an infrastructure project, like they might need new fencing or something like that, a new signage or a shed or tools, um, hand tools at their garden. Uh, we'll do our best to provide those resources. But um, you can either have a garden where people are grown out of their own bed and that provides food for their family and their households, fresh foods. Um, or you have people who have more of a communal practice at some of these gardens where they're sharing what they grow and bartering and exchanging tomatoes for okra or peppers for snap peas. And, and that's a way to have, you know, essentially like a cashless economy, which is valuable, especially in, in environments where there aren't fresh food grocers. Well, I would think with 56 that this is kind of caught on with different neighborhoods and different neighborhood groups, uh, because 56 is a lot of community gardens. What are you finding that people, why are you, what do you see as the reasons people are doing this? Is it for hobby or is it really to to be able to grow what is going into their bodies or is it a combination i would say all of the above so one thing is that um it, it is actually a part of you know in, in many respects it's a part of our our culture or ethnic heritage right so the practice of growing your own food or homesteading and in, in, in you know um to a larger extent is, is an heirloom. Um, the further we're removed we are from older generations, the more we're into it and then we get caught up into an industrialized lifestyle. So a, a lot of folks in New Haven have migrated, their roots, you know, if you're um, of African descent, um, your roots trace back to, the, to parts of the South, North Carolina, South Carolina, and even further, um, Alabama um, and other states as well. And in the South, and just like in the Caribbeans, growing your own food and having a garden is, is normal. Um, normal. That, that is not unusual. And so those practices, you know, especially with the Great Migration, were brought up to the Northeast. And in fact, people were doing it in the Northeast already. Um, so you have people who are growing just because that's what they were accustomed to, right, as far as the older folks. You have others who are growing because they have an interest in picking up a new hobby that's gonna be rejuvenating themselves and their household physically. Um, and some people grow because it gives them peace of mind. Um, there's a therapeutic effect or, uh, or impact that comes along with getting your hands and your, comes along yeah, I with- can, I can see that, yeah. Soil and you know, being able to work independently, but also be able to work as part of a collective as well. Now, what about your farm stands? I know, I. If I remember correctly, you have one on Grand Avenue, is it? Grand Avenue up near Seatown, um, is it? Supermarket, I think uh, you have one somewhere around there? Uh, we don't. Our farm stand is actually at um, one of our large farm sites called uh, the Ferry Street on 613 Ferry Street. Ferry Street. Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. Actually, I'm in the right. <laughs> I know where you are because I associate everything with buses. The bus mm -hmm. goes up Grand Avenue to Ferry Street. Okay. So how is that operation going? Is that, uh, is that a place where people as a rule come and shop? And, um, how is that going? Sure. 
So we haven't opened it up yet. It's too early in the year, um, but we expect that we'll be in position to open it up um, around mid-June. Um, and essentially it, it, it goes pretty well. It's not a huge revenue driver for the organization, but that's not, that's not the reason why we do it. Um, the reason why we do it is because it, it's another touch point to access point for people in the Fairhaven community and beyond um, to be able to buy local organically grown, grown fresh foods. And at the farm stand, uh, we accept SNAP um, food assistance benefits as well. So people with senior benefits, SNAP or WIC are able to use those benefits at the farm stand as well. We're currently waiting um, on the renewal of our um, retailer license um, to accept SNAP this year. And once that's in place, we'll go ahead and open up the farm stand. Um, last year, we were actually able to um, double our, 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 our forecasted revenues through the farm stand, but that wasn't, um, that, that increase wasn't due to patronage from just anyone. It was actually an increase in people who, who use SNAP benefits who are on food assistance, which is great for us because it shows that the way that we've approached getting the word out and marketing this resource um, has been landing on the ears of the right people. Um, you know, people who are of means can shop anywhere. Um, sure. You know, they can get in a car, they can go wherever they want, accessing um, fresh and healthy foods um, in their own community is not something that that is a struggle for them. But for people whose communities are populated with package stores and bodegas, um, where, you know, you're lucky if you can get a fresh tomato, having this kind of resource, especially for people from lower income populations, um, does offer some ease. You know, I think that we have a lot, a long ways to go um, to really meaningfully address food insecurity issues um, throughout New Haven, but it's a start. Now, do you find that the people that you are working with, the people who operate these gardens, and when I say the people operate them, I am talking about citizens who come and utilize the gardens to grow, are they spreading the word? Are they getting the word out that these gardens exist and the benefits of these um, gardens? Because there's a very sincere health benefit to people growing their own foods, particularly if you're in the minority community, which is our diets tend to be very heavy and fried foods and food that isn't, you know, just not healthy for you. So I'm wondering if this is like an effort to get more minorities to eat healthier, or I'm sure that's part of, of Gather New Haven. Sure. I think we have some work to do as far as um, promoting the gardens. Um, you know, these are landmarks in some neighborhoods and they're all, you know, um, different. You know, they reflect the neighborhood um, that they're in. I think for those who are in the know, um, it's these are well-known resources, um, but you kind of have to be um, within that community, that gardening community. Um, what I found is that most residents have a transactional or passive relationship with many of the amenities and resources and even municipal or state agencies in their community. So, you know, um, Prior to this work, I, I worked on an initiative called Project Longevity. And one of the things that I would share with people in law enforcement is that the, the extent in which people expect or would appreciate an interaction with government is, is their postal worker, the DMV when they have to, you know, and, and making sure that their sanitation is picked up. And so it's 
not far removed. Like our reality is not far removed from that. So you have people who want to eat healthier, who definitely want to have improved dietary lifestyles. But as far as actually getting out there and getting in the dirt and growing your own <laughs> food and harvesting it and dealing with the pests and all of that stuff that comes along with it, that's a smaller audience that 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 that, that you know that's encouraged and, and has the ambition to do that. Um, and so the challenge for us is how do you contend with that, right? In a way that um, respects those who are getting their hands in the soil and have the skill set and the and the desire to pursue that endeavor at the community gardens, but also how do we think of ways beyond just our farm stand, right? Um, how can we think of ways to urban agriculture to increase the distribution of healthy foods um, throughout our city for those who either just that's not their thing or they don't have the time, right? You know. I was going to ask you: Do you think this uh, a t- time may be a uh... Back to here, it's just so easy to run to the store, pick up a, you know, a bushel of, you know, broccoli or string beans or whatever, as opposed to going out into your gardens, toiling the soil, soil, so to speak. You think that has a lot, to, lot to do with it? People just don't have or want to take the time. I think that's a part of it. You know, um, for those who are able to incorporate gardening into their lifestyle, it's a hobby or it's a it's a it's a practice or a way of life um, that is harmonious with everything that falls in harmony with everything else that they're doing. Um, and it also depends on what stage in life you are at. So if you're someone who's older, whose kids are grown, you may have more time to lend to that. But if you're a person who has career aspirations, <laughs> young children, you know, you're trying to do all these different things. Um, you may be able to do it, um, but it, it's difficult. And with um, with growing anything, you know, you can easily be disheartened if you put something, you put a seed in the soil or you put a seed in the soil and it dies in a couple of weeks and you're unable to harvest anything. You know, it's it's kind of disheartening and you, you, you may not be encouraged to continue with that practice because you may feel like you have a brown thumb, um, but it's something that requires effort and diligence. Yeah, I know that uh, when you mentioned people who don't have, you know, their kids are grown, they don't have a lot to do, they can afford to take on this hobby, so to speak. And that's what I tell my brother and sister. I say, you're old, that's why you want to do, that's why you want to do the gardening now. But they, once they got into it, I mean, they're really enthusiastic about it. It's, you know, in terms of, you know, we get together Zoom Wednesdays and Saturdays and sometimes the gardening is taking over that conversation. Mm -hmm. So there is something definitely that people get out of it when they do it. I mean, my sister's building a greenhouse. That's how excited she is about it. Well, is there anything else you would like to add here? We have a lot to talk about you and I. I know that you're into a lot of things and we are keeping this focused on just the community gardens, but I hope to have you back to talk about some of the other things that you are doing such as uh, with the environment. I love the idea of the entrepreneur program and some of the arts um, and things that you have going on. Um, So I would love to have you come back and discuss those things too, because those are certainly important to having a well-rounded community. But is there anything else you'd like to add about um, um, Gather New Haven and growing food and so forth before we get out of here? Sure, I think that um, I would encourage anyone, especially people who live in communities where diet-related issues um, are, are prevalent, you know, type 2 diabetes, obesity, cardiovascular disease, and also areas in which 
there are food deserts or areas that are um, impacted by food apartheid in which you don't have access to local and, and organically grown foods is to engage the community gardens and build relationships, whether you garden there or not, right? You know, it's to build relationships because what that does is does a couple of things. One, it increases your social capital because you're connecting with your neighbors and you never know what comes out of those relationships. Uh, and that's what- The, the stronger community, community comes out of those exactly, relationships. <laughs> right? That's, that's exactly what the right. public of a community is, are the relationships. So when we think about living in any city and you think about moving, what do you think about leaving behind your friends, right? You think about leaving behind your neighbors, you know? And so that's one thing. The other thing is specifically for people who are, uh, specifically for African peoples and people who are of um, indigenous populations and Latinx and Hispanic communities um, and younger folks um, more specifically is that this is a part of your culture and ethnic heritage. Um, this stuff is in your DNA. You know, the first practitioners of agriculture sciences on this planet were people who look like you and I. Um, you know, tap into your roots, get your hands into the soil um, if you can, or build a relationship with someone in your neighborhood. And a lot of times it's someone who's more senior. So the garden is a metaphor, right? You know, it's a place of diversity. It's a place of growth. It's a place where knowledge can be cultivated. So even if you're not gonna get out there and grow snap peas or harvest snap peas or help till the <laughs> soil, have a conversation with someone who's older than you because you may find a mentor, you may gain some wisdom that can help guide you in the path. So view the gardens as a place of engagement, not just a place where um, you can grow food as well. So become familiar with them, become acquainted with the people who are there. Um, they may, you may get a spot in the garden yourself and start growing stuff, but I think at, at minimum, you'll develop a new friend and a new neighbor. You've been listening to Real Talk, Real People. If you would like to be on the show, have a comment about the show, or perhaps you have an idea that the show should explore, give us a call at 203-605-1859 or email us at realtalkrealpeoplect at gmail.com. And remember, start your Sundays with my column in Hearst, Connecticut newspapers statewide and start your Mondays right here at Real Talk, Real People. Have a good week, folks. We'll talk again next week. Thank you.